0: You're drowned by my perfect fire, my perfect life Hello, oh, 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 oh Welcome to the podcast, my name is Father Peter Mustard I'm Link guy number one, You this are is the word on the hill speaking
1: fast, that was a lot You're drinking a Red Bull, but you can't be very far into it I'm not, but I had a lot of espresso <laughs> <laughs> Did you? Yeah. Do you call it expresso? I do I do right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's like baschetti? Baschetti. <laughs> I'd like a baschetti and espresso. Dude, man, that... Ex- I'm Scott Powell. I'm uh, also a lanky guy. This is the Word on the Hill podcast. I think we saw that. Yep. Dude, Sorry, th- continue. this is the... Third Sunday after Easter. Yeah, somebody tried to uh, convince us to do the opening of this podcast as though it was another classic episode.
0: Welcome to a classic episode of The Word on the Hill. My That's name is Father Peter Musset. This is a live podcast. It is a live podcast. But it is
1: it is classic merely by us mm-hmm. having done it. We are classic. All right. So, it's the you already said it's the third Sunday of Easter.
0: Third Sunday of Easter, we we've done the uh, beautiful gift of the Divine Mercy Sunday, which yes. by the way, I mean like I've always thought about Divine Mercy well, now, um, because we've done some classic episodes, we just hope that, um, I hope that I mentioned Divine Mercy last time, but I still think it's totally amazing that- um,
1: You did. I actually went through and edited it. I still edit, even when we put up an old one, because <laughs> I have to find out if there's specific references to that year or that day, oh. and I take them out. So I still, I still do the work. You did say
0: it. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Obscure, weird- wonderful catholic facts dude what were you gonna say about it though that it's totally amazing to me that an obscure catholic nun in the middle of poland somehow gets the universal church to declare a
1: sunday of mercy you're almost like you're describing mary i mean that's just in the sense that that's how the church that's how god works right yeah the obscure israel you know palestinian israelite woman in nazareth right is chosen to become the son, the mother of it, it, so in that sense as even as you say that i'm like ah oh, no that's that's how god works though well, of that's course, course he's going to use god. the obscure um polish nun to bring about this amazing moment of grace,
0: versus me, because I'm not so obscure, man. I'm big, dude. You're a bit, you're huge I'm, in I'm, Australia. I'm huge in Australia. We're so huge in Saskatchewan, dude. Yep, in Japan, man. What's up? In Japan, up? yeah, I forgot about Japan, dude. I'm, I'm I'm gonna put on my tabby shoes just because I can. Well, you guys, um, <gasps> I uh, I'm excited to just let's just jump into some scriptura, scriptura de, uh, uh, acts de apostolates. That's a lot of languages and <laughs> dialects running. Dude, <laughs> Dude <laughs> it's good. I can. This is. I paint with a wide brush, man. You I've been. Do. I've been listening to a book called Etymologicon. Oh, by uh, what's his Mark Forsyth. Yep, and uh, and it's funny. He just goes through the history of words, and so like, man, I don't know if I'm speaking. I don't even know if English is, man. I don't even know if I can know, man. I have an epistemological crisis on my hands. That's what he said. No, that's what you're saying. I'm just saying. Oh, because you've been reading that. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, what is language, man? What
1: is language? That's a different podcast.
0: It is a very different podcast. So (laughs) you can look up a linguistic podcast, linguistic philosophy podcast, and good luck understanding it.
1: Well, he has a podcast, doesn't he? Who? No, he has a blog. The guy. Inky fool. Inky fool. Inky fool. So, readings. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We could keep going. I used to listen to a podcast called Grammar Girl. Which I second-guessed myself whether I should admit that or not because that's because of the name of the podcast. But it was like this three-minute podcast, and she would just talk about different forms oh. of speech and writing tools and techniques. And I loved it. And my wife, Annie, would always make fun of me you listening to Grammar Girl, dude. There
0: is a there's another it's podcast great. of a gal who does etymolo- etymology, <laughs> <laughs> and I can't come up with the name of it right now. You'll my br- my it. brother is yelling at the at the iPod right
1: now. He is his iPod. <laughs> <laughs> yes, back in 2003. Yeah, dude.
0: He's, he for all of you yelling at your iPods right now on your so that you can have a podcast. Mm-hmm. Then man, the, go see your
1: podiatrist. Pod, podiatrist. Pod, ped. Dude, okay. the first reading for this week is, is coming. Acts... From... You're just gonna go for it. Go for it. Talk to me. What is it? Oh, come on. Don't get all mean sour.
0: I'm just trying to interrupt you again. Okay, it's <laughs> Acts three thirteen to fifteen, skipping verse sixteen, going to seventeen and nineteen. Did you read verse sixteen? I did. It's kind of weird, man. It's like I don't understand why they. I mean, I guess it's got like weird context that you don't need to understand. It's not that weird.
1: All right. Anyway. Our Psalm, <laughs> responsorial Psalm is coming from Psalm 4, verse 2, 4, 7 through 8, and 9. And the response itself is 7a. 2, Depending 4, 6,
0: 8. Who do we appreciate? It's Scott. Peter, Scott. Father Peter, Father Peter. Scott.
1: Peter. Okay. Second reading. First John <clears throat> 2, 1 through 5a. Okay. Uh, in our Gospel is John Luke, rather, Chapter 24, verses 35 through 48. First to read in. All right, Acts chapter 3. There's um, a code to it. Oh, talk to me.
0: Actually, I don't know. I just started <laughs> saying words, and they what? came out. Was, okay. This is Red Bull. This is the effects of Red Bull.
1: And you were already feeling something oh, going yeah. on before the Red Bull. I shouldn't have gotten you that Red Bull. Yeah,
0: dude, that was. Dude, this, is, this is what I call enabling.
1: Yeah, I did enable you. Kay. I didn't realize. Okay. I Peter said to the people. Okay. We need the context to this. Did you did did you read anything around this passage? Did, uh, okay, here's one of the things I want to say just from the get go. Silence remember, is not consent. <laughs> but I, but I didn't. I didn't consent. Just then. no. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, you said something in a homily for daily mass that has resonated with me ever since. I actually brought it up in my class last night. It was it was the framework through which I actually. Um, framed a class that I was in our Dude, talk I'm I was doing last night. And it, but it was good and it's something we've talked about before, but it was it was important. You were uh talking about the reading I think it was last Friday, I believe. And I, you focused more on the gospel, but you could have easily focused on the first reading. So we've free, we've been getting a lot of readings. Our, our first readings since Easter have been, all been from Acts of the Apostles, I believe, correct? Yes, that is correct. Even in the daily mass, right? Yes, of Consistently. course. Consistently? Absolutely. And if you're reading these, I mean, here, here's the irony of um, the not just the Easter story, but the Christian story. So here you have... <laughs> Uh, I tried to move the microphone
0: away so that you didn't hear my honky. Didn't
1: do anything. <laughs> didn't do anything. Okay, sorry about that. All right, but here's the irony the, or the paradoxical, the paradoxery, the, the paradoxicalness <laughs> of the Christian story, the Easter story, is that now Jesus has risen from the dead. We've had this long, and you were, you framed it in a great way. I mean, Lent Lent was hard this year, right? There's there's struggles. Things are hard. There's there's practical things. There's family things. Lent was just a hard Lent for a lot of folks, and there's this there's this human response of, you know, the grass is always going to be greener on the other side. Right. And there's this sense of, okay, if we can just get to Easter, right, the trees will start blooming, flowers will be coming, we'll get to eat candy again, you yeah. know, I can have a drink again, <laughs> you know, I gave up alcohol. But all these things, like, is if we can just get there, then everything's going to be great. Right. And then what happens? You hit Easter, it's beautiful, the celebration, and life is still life. Nothing nothing has been magically swept away with God's magic wand and, you know, it's such a common human experience, but then you're reading the readings, right? And it's, it's, it's not even that, it's, it's that, but more so. So the apostles, you know, they've given up everything to follow after Jesus for three years. They've staked everything on this guy. And then he's taken by the Romans, he's crucified, he's killed, and he dies. And they're sitting there, they're like, this is horrible. Right. We've lost everything. But then he rises again. And everything changes and the enemy is defeated and victory is won. And he begins to appear to them. But every time he appears to them, it's basically, hey, I've won the victory. I'm here. I'm alive. Come feel the wounds in my hands and on my side. See you later. Got to go. And it's just like, "Okay, (laughs) this is great, I, I think. But I don't know what to do with it. And there's that great scene in John. It was what we got last Friday of, you know, Jesus has appeared to them now a couple times and they're sitting in the upper room and they're like what do we do? And he's like I don't know, I'm going fishing. And he's yeah. like what do you do? What, do, what you do you do and it's been it's been this thought that's been resonating with me since then of okay We are Christian people. We're Easter people who are living in the light of the resurrection and living in the midst of a world that doesn't look like anything has changed. Right. In fact, that's living in the midst of a world who actually looks like things are getting worse. Yeah. Which is this question of how does the Christian sanely move about in the world? And sometimes it just comes down to this moment like, you know what? I don't know what else to do. I'm just going to go fishing. Yeah, And it's in those common, in those, in those simple things, in those things of everyday life that Jesus then appears and says, come and have some breakfast. And he works through us and he speaks to us. And I'm reading through this reading and I was reading through the other readings that we've had in the, the previous couple of days. And all of the first readings of mass have to do with the, with the apostles living in the light of the resurrection, mm-hmm. acting upon it, baptizing people, proclaiming the gospel and constantly getting beat up and constantly getting thrown in prison and constantly getting persecuted. And just brutalized. And you're like, oh my gosh, I thought we won the victory. I thought evil was defeated. And all of these readings are just the apostles in prison. Or the apostles getting mysteriously taken out of prison, going and preaching and getting thrown back in prison or beaten or put on trial or persecuted and shipwrecked in some other way. Right. With gigantic smiles on their faces. Right. Just saying, no, it's cool because we get that reality is more than it seems. Right. Christ has changed the world in ways that human eyes cannot quite see yet. Right. But we have the eyes of faith, mm. which is the paradox of not just living in Easter, but living the Christian life. So that was the kind of framework I just wanted to throw out because this is the paradigm through which we have to read all of the stuff in the Easter season. Because none of it is like, hey, everything's super now. Everything's great Would kick back, put your feet up. Jesus has won. Everything's cool now. That's not the Christian faith. That's not the scriptures. And that's not the way the story of salvation history works, which is incredibly frustrating, I think. Yeah. To be a human people who, again, is always looking for the grass to be a little bit greener on the other side. It will be at some point. Right. And at one point, Christ will come again. He will wipe away every tear. But right now, that hasn't happened yet. Dude, it's
0: really interesting. Okay, so at Saint Tom's, we've we uh, we oriented the church uh, so that it's facing east, so we're all facing the same direction. We're I'd not ad would Ad Orientum. So we're not we're not like an, it's circled up as we were before. And it was interesting because during the, the vigil, um, there we were having the uh, the Easter vigil. We were having the reading about the wall of water on the left and on the right. Mm and And for some reason, that like I just imagined the walls of the church just because we had we we yeah. had it anew that the walls were kind of in the right places, yeah, uh, like uh, architecturally. yeah. And I just imagined that those were the walls of water on the left and on the right. and that, like, a, yes. and, and and it was like all of a sudden it became this paradigm for me of what we exist in in the church, yeah. That, that, um, that Satan's raging and coming after the church, but that we're a pilgrim people moving our way towards heaven, which is represented in the sanctuary, mm. which is represented in the tabernacling of the Lord right. here. And that that, we're, that, that that this movement, especially of communion, that we actually approach the altar, we have moved towards the sanctuary. And it's almost like as the veil is pulled back, we receive the Eucharist. And then we, but we don't yet reach the shore. Yes, and that we're actually sent back to the Egyptians. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, shoot, you know what I'm saying? Like, kind of, like, like, like I know it's a paradigm. The Lord is going to set us free. I, I start to, but the Lord says, "Go, be sent." Yeah, the, the the mass misa is is sending. It's from the same root as missile, yeah. and so so it's it's this movement of God's holy <clears throat> people that the Church exists in this place to where we're looking and anticipating the full promised land. So.
1: Maybe I'm taking this analogy too far. Maybe I'm taking it the wrong place. And maybe yes. I'm about to speak heresy. I'm not sh- totally sure yet. Uh-oh. So those are all my caveats. That's my disclaimer. <laughs> heresy warning. <laughs> and I don't know about your church. And actually, this is one of the, the benefits of the reorientation of our church. And, and you all around the country and the world, wherever you are, all your churches, I'm sure, look different. But right. for many of you, picture your church for a second. Yep. Because this is the way the churches are supposed to be designed. And if you picture St. Thomas Aquinas... And I actually showed some students a picture of this, because I took a picture of when you reoriented the church. Yeah, And uh, I showed them the photograph, and they'd never seen this, and their minds were blown. But if you picture our church, and again, most churches, if they're designed the way that a church ought to be designed, and if you imagine that church being flipped upside down, I took the picture with my students, and I was like, what happens if you flip it upside down? What does it look like? And they're like, "Oh, it looks like a boat! Which is how churches are meant to be designed, is the hull of a ship. Right. And if you take... The Exodus analogy, right? We have the walls of water. Well, you know, the people pass through in the time of the Exodus, but then the water comes back right. and it does flow and it kills the Egyptians and everything else. But the water is not always going to be held like that. And in a certain sense, you can almost imagine, OK, There's this moment where the water is pushed aside and we're able to walk through to this destination, but then the waters come back again. And so what does God give us instead? He gives us a boat to navigate the waters, which Mm. is the church, which has a priest at the helm and the Pope at the ultimate helm and the Eucharist that we're actually driving toward. But the reason that churches are designed this way is because the idea is, as we're in the in-between between the resurrection of Jesus and his second coming, we're in the waters of chaos. And we're not only in the the in between the walls of water, but we're actually in it. We're actually in the midst. And to not be submerged and to not drown, what has God given us? He's given us a boat to grasp onto and to get into so we can actually get through the chaos of life. Mm-hmm. Which is why, you know, the church is always historically called the the ship of Peter the bark, bark. of Peter right because what oof, does Peter want <laughs> There it is
0: that's my bark and what it's is Peter- worse than my bite
1: Ah but what does Peter want to do when he just can't seem to reconcile what his place is Let's get on the boat and let's go fishing. And what does he do? He goes on the boat and they cast the nets and at first they don't catch anything, mm. but then everything is drawn back into the boat. Mm. The chaos remains. The waters are still there, but now there's a boat helmed by Pete helmed, captained by Peter right, right. helmed that we're all meant to be caught up into. So Again, all this, we're we're getting a little astray from our first reading. But in that context and in the light of that, what's happening in this reading? Well, like you started reading, Peter gets up and says he makes a speech talking about the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, uh, the God of our fathers. He glorified Jesus that you handed over in Pilate's presence. He basically tells the story of the passion. But if you back up a little bit, because I wanted to get the context of this. If you back up to the very beginning of chapter 3, what happens is Peter and John, they went up to the temple. It's the hour of prayer. It's probably about three o'clock because it's one of the liturgical hours. And there's this guy who can't walk and he's brought there and his friends always bring him to pray. And he's seeking alms. And he goes to Peter and John. He looks at him expecting that they're going to give him a couple of coins. And Peter gives that wonderful line that I love. He looks at, at this guy and he says, uh, where is it? Silver and gold we have not, but what I have, I give to you. I don't have any money. I just got out of prison, which I've been in five times so far, right? Right. And now I'm out. I don't have any money to give to you, but I give you what I have, which is the name of the Lord Jesus. Basically, get on the boat. And he gives them the means. He gives them the name. And this guy now can walk. And this miracle has occurred. And this guy is flipping out and everybody around is like, oh my gosh, we can't believe this. This miraculous healing has occurred. And it actually says in Acts, where is it? Um, Peter gets up to basically address everyone that's there. All these people are flipping out. They're like, this miracle has occurred. What has happened? What is going on? And literally as this guy is clinging physically, grasped onto Peter, he gets up and he makes a speech. And he's like, you want to know how this happened? Do you want to know why this guy is walking? You guys are all losing your minds. You're so excited. Let me tell you what happened. Remember that guy a few weeks ago that you crucified, that you had put to death, that you all shouted, crucify him in the crowd. That one was the one through whom we have the authority and the power to do this. And he reminds them of the story. And you get the sense that, I mean, I wonder how many people there in the audience were struck to the heart saying, oh, I didn't put the pieces of that together. Right, But with what Peter says and his reminder of, they're all witnesses of this thing that has happened. You are witnesses. I am a witness, which means, you know, the word for witness in Greek is martyria. I am a martyr of this because my very life is now a kind of martyrdom. I have nothing. I'm thrown in prison. I'm persecuted, but I stand before you as a witness to tell you exactly what happened. And this was foretold from ages past from the time of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And now this guy is the evidence. He's one of the pieces of evidence of what has happened. But that speech that he makes, I feel like you can't get the full weight of that speech unless you see the image of this now healed man who's literally clinging on to Peter as he's speaking this. Mm. But I love the imagery of that because we're all that guy. Right. We're all the guy that couldn't walk. We're all the guy that was beat up by the world and, and impoverished utterly. And what do we do? We grasp on to Peter. We grasp onto the church. We get in the boat. And that's our salvation. And that's when the Peter can get up and say, this is where life is. This Jesus who you rejected, who you crucified, all of it, every one of us, right? We have a million things every day where we basically spit in our Lord's face. And we make decisions that go against him. And we're brought back. And Peter reminds them, look, we've done this. You did this. You crucified this man who was God's chosen, who was God himself. But you have the opportunity to get back in the boat now. You can jump off the boat or you can climb into the boat, but the boat's moving on. And it's it's a beautiful imagery. But again, without the image of that guy literally grasping onto Peter, you miss some of the, the imagery of, of this reading. Does that God. make sense? Uh
0: yeah, absolutely. And I love the fact that we can talk about that—that that it's no longer restricted to utter the true name of God,
1: right? Right, and
0: and that this is through the power of His holy name, yeah. like that—that that you could just share it. <laughs> it's like
1: which could not be done in the past. No, and the it was name of God was inutterable,
0: inutterable, and now it's it's utterances.
1: Two groaning groanings too deep for (laughs) no, is that what you were getting?
0: (laughs) No, no, I was gonna make an utter joke and then I decided to not make an utter cow utter, yeah, like cow utter because you could utter. It's like (laughs) I was gonna milk that joke, is what Ah, I was gonna say. There it is. I know I didn't Uh, want to say it, so that let your face shine on us, oh lord.
1: Okay, here's uh translations are hard
0: well psalm four so it's important to remember that um when we're talking about the psalms they're organized into three major books and the first major book is
1: oh uh book one
0: right and what's the main content of (laughs) david the kingdom right So we're in in the kingdom. This is actually like, what what happens is that, um, so just in this section, we're having this sense the kingdom is being established. That's really what Easter time is, is that we're looking and we're saying, this is kingdom time. Yes. We, we went out and we did all this preliminary preaching as a church to say, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And, and Peter says, hey, guess what? The kingdom, repent, therefore, and be converted and your sins wipe away. The kingdom's here. Yes. And if you want to look at what the kingdom is, look at me. It's a boat. It's helmed a, by me. Yep. <laughs> An out-of-work fisherman. Yep. apparently
1: not very good at his job.
0: Dude, yeah, that, that is definitely his story arc.
1: Oh, I see oh. what you did there. Can I read to you um, the RSV translation of this psalm? Nope. Yes, you can. Okay, thanks. So I, I actually read this before. I actually read um, the New American Bible. NAB is what you're going to hear in mass, which which is a perfectly valid translation. But listen, it's fine. It's fine. But listen to this, because again, I'm thinking, okay, what, where's the connection point? Like you're right, the kingdom, the themes of book one, yeah, that all fits. But then I read it actually in, in this translation in verse chapter four, verse two, Psalm four, verse two. O men, how long shall my honor suffer shame? And how long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But the Lord himself has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call him be angry, but sin not commune with your own heart on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices. It goes on. How long Shall my honor, shall my name suffer shame, is what the psalm is saying. Which, if you go back to what you were just saying about the first reading, the utterable name of the Lord, which is actually what offers us salvation now, then you have the psalm reflecting back in the time of salvation history, how long shall my name suffer shame? And will you love vain words and seek after lies? That's what Peter's answering as he's standing in Solomon's portico that day. How long shall the Lord's name suffer shame? Well, you have witnessed the shame of the Lord's name. You watched him get crucified. You watched that name, the, the very word of God made flesh, suffer this brutality. The shame. Suffer the shame. And now that name has brought this guy, who was in shame in the eyes of the world, out of shame. That's into tot- a place of honor.
0: That is totally insane. Oh! <laughs> that's I'm good. sorry. No, that, it's the, good. That joke a lot brought a lot of pain to people.
1: Ooh, in the membrane. <laughs> like,
0: no, that, that's actually yeah. really beautiful. I don't mean to admit, like, no, 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 it, make a uh, word joke and take away your thunder of no, your No, words point. are great. <laughs> that's it's good.
1: good. No, no. That, but it's isn't like, that kind of cool? Yeah,
0: the, the inversion of, of <laughs> shame. The, the, yes. the, lo- the Lord took all the world's shame to <laughs> himself and through his holy name. Then he can reduce the pain of the people. <laughs>
1: You're really trying hard not no, to freestyle. I know. I'm I can so... hear the freestyle almost coming out. I but, but know. Here's the, but here's the paradox. This goes back to the paradox again. How long shall his name suffer shame? <laughs> <laughs> um, in the main in the membrane. How long shall his name suffer shame? It, it, it hasn't ceased when Peter's talking. No. So so what's the answer to that question? Well, guess what? Peter's about to be thrown back in prison. Why? For the name of Jesus, it's going to continue to suffer shame because that's the thing. You you want it to be this case of like, oh, when he rises from the dead, everything's cool now. And his name is finally going to be glorified. And yes, in, in some ways, his name is glorified. But guess what? Those who profess the name of Jesus are still going to suffer worldly shame. Yeah. He's still going to be put in prison. He's still going to be uh, an embarrassment in the eyes of the world.
0: Dude, this is the wild part. I mean, we were talking about inversion at the very beginning. It was just like how God wants to use the little to shame the wise. and that's like it. That's and, it. And that's, that's, like, that's so funny about the name of Jesus. It's like before uh, the, there was a time where, where like even in Egypt, like the priests were the ones who knew the true names of gods. And so yes, they right. could utter and then they had power over the, those na- gods. Because
1: names have power. Names have authority
0: they do and so then but then all of a sudden here comes the christians and they ruin the whole (laughs) paradox because yeah, it's just this do. inversion where it's this it's like okay what's the name of god and now you say jesus in <laughs> the context of of the 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 humble servant of god who endured the shame and suffering and then he says well i'm going to actually invite you into that but there's power in that and it's yeah. actually redemptive and merciful i mean it's changed the whole paradigm of the world yes. we, li- literally we could not be in the world situation now of uh, uh, even of tolerance the idea of kindness and tolerance being enshrined in the way that it is today, yeah. like we couldn't be here without the Christian paradigm of saying like the, 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 the we should care for the lowly and the suffering. I mean, it, it, this is, and, and that, that everybody is worthy of dignity and like, it's, it's just wild. Yes. It's just yeah. wild. And so that's why that's where we say, okay, well now we get into first John yeah, where like, so it's cuz in the midst of this we do have to deal with sin Be, like cuz every uh, sometimes i actually joke with people becoming a priest is a, is a part of your job is sin management <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> it's just it's just you're looking and we're affected by other people's sins so yeah. you got to like talk to people about how they're affected by other people's sins yep and then we are affected by our own sins and so mm-hmm. then you got to confess those sins and then we got to figure out how to like get free and actually get out of the shame and the bondage that the sin in our own lives is, is dealing with. And so yeah. and and then how do we say, oh, okay, I can the the commandments of God are trustworthy and that if I follow after them then really beautiful, good things happen. Because as soon as you start doing that, then now all of a sudden you start suffering in an, on a whole other way. <laughs> and you're yes. like, you're like I thought that was a way to like kind of sidestep all of this stuff. It's not. And, that, then, <sighs> and that's like kind of where we live. It's like, that's why in a real way, I'd love the encouragement of our podcast. It's mm. an encouragement to me. Scott, I love talking to you because I, I walk away and I'm like, I'm like man, I uh, okay, I do need to be holy and I can yeah. be holy. And what what is this boundary that I've been placing in my life from mm. actually being holy? Because the truth mm. is, is that I know I'm going to have to suffer regardless. Yeah. It's just a matter of do I want to be out of control of my suffering or do I want to let the Lord be in control? Of and when suffering? it
1: happens, are you going to be like Peter and James and John and these guys with a big smile on your face? Right. Or are you going to go kicking and screaming? Which actually, I think, does relate to the problem that we're dealing with in 1 John. 1 John, we don't know a whole lot about 1 John. I think this is actually written by John. Fancy that. Um, But we don't know exactly who it's written to. I actually think it might be written to the church in Ephesus. It's not totally clear. He doesn't address them by name. But what he does say is that uh, he's writing this letter to basically encourage and strengthen people who are dealing with a group of heretics who broke off from the community. In chapter 2, he talks about these people who have broken off from them and are spreading this heresy that he calls liars. And basically the heresy, we're not even quite sure what the heresy is, but it's one of these very classic heresies that has to do with who Jesus actually is. Was it really God who became human or was it just a human who kind of looked like God, or a human who was sort of divinated, or was it God giving the appear? Some people think it's the Docetists. Doceo is the the Greek word that means to appear. So some people think, well, you know, God is God; he couldn't have really suffered like that. So Jesus was just God appearing to suffer, right? He's
0: one, he's like a Hindu blue person.
1: Yeah, basically, he just looked like it. And these people are really struggling with this, which which goes back to this whole question of the Lord's name and enduring the shame. I mean, if it's just all a farce, or if it's just all, you know, smoke and mirrors, then that doesn't do anything for me when we actually dwell in the midst of hurt and pain and baggage that we carry around and persecution and getting beat up. If Jesus just appeared to get beat up, then that stinks. And yeah, that's actually very dangerous. And so John is writing this encouragement, um, basically telling them that there's people who don't get this and who are trying to mislead you and lead you astray to try to say that Shame is to be avoided. Persecution is to be avoided at all costs. You are not to, you know, this isn't for you. They want the easy way out because they somehow think that Jesus actually took the easy way out. He says that's not the case. Jesus entered into it. And as a result, the apostles, John, he's one of these guys. He's like, I was thrown in prison and I had a big fat smile on my face. Why? Because I know that my Lord endured the same thing and worse. And I've united myself to him so I can move forward. Right, so I can do that.
0: Yeah, it reminds me
1: of uh, Rocky Four. <laughs> Was that the Russian one? Yeah. There's the no easy cut.
0: way out.
1: Rocky There's four. no shortcut home. Did you ever see Cars Three? Love Cars Three. Cars Three as an analogy for Rocky Four. Think on that for a while.
0: Cars Three is an analogy for Rocky Four, dude. Or I it, can... Not an
1: analogy, but Cars Three is Rocky Four.
0: Okay. I will think about this.
1: I mean, it's very true. The Russian training on all the high technological stuff, and then Rocky goes to the wilderness, right, to the Russian mountains mm. to train, right? Yes. Lightning McQueen goes out to the woods, to the wilderness, trains in the woods, the high technological stuff of Jackson Storm. I- I've been dwelling on this a lot. Okay. okay. we got to move on from that. Okay. Sounds good. but i think there's something there
0: i think there's i think you're right man and the logs dude come on
1: yeah exactly the cabin and and like
0: it's like everything's ghetto and like the tractors and every it's rocky Ford. rocky ford i like those melons okay we gotta keep going
1: you like what melons rocky ford all right, the gospel. <laughs> Does that make sense? Did we wrap up the second reading there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did that tie in? It did. I did. Oh, Rocky I, I, I cantaloupes. On. Rocky Ford cantaloupes. Cantaloupes. I guess cantaloupes are melons.
0: They're melons, dude. I mean, All right. come, come on. You, you, I loved that there was a time delay. You're like, hold on. What? What? rocky four i
1: get it ford
0: i know rocky four D- 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 all
1: right okay let's get so to we're Luke. on the tail end of the road to a emmaus story which i is... love the boat to a dude get you know on. i would love i would
0: love someday if if there was ever time for okay. us to do a couple of supplementary um mm. lanky guys to mm. where mm. we could just walk through a pericope without just just in and of itself
1: that would be great
0: yeah. So I love that. That's so, my favorite. So everybody who prays for us, you guys have to pray for a strange expansion of our time to where we get so much work done that we have extra time to be able to do some supplementary episodes. We're almost there. Yeah. So you just <laughs> you just pray for us, everybody.
1: Oh my gosh, we need it. All right. So these two disciples, we don't have time to get into the road to Emmaus, but it Jesus appears to these two disciples on the road. He opens their eyes. It's this amazing moment. And you, then
0: you can look at Luke twenty-four thirteen and following, and then then you can get this is twenty-four thirty-five. So it's a long pericope. If you don't know the disciples on the road to Emmaus, I encourage you to read the Gospel of Luke at the okay. very end uh, yeah. or go to church.
1: <laughs> or go to church. But the beauty of it, well, wow, there's there's lots of parts of beauty but but the, the point of the, the fact of the matter is that jesus reveals himself to these two disciples mm-hmm. and he opens their eyes they have heart spiritual heartburn right their hearts are burning within them dude and uh, they, on, i had i had uh, an
0: association that i'd never seen before oh boy because remember when jesus says oh you slow of heart to yes. believe yeah. and then he says i'm dude, hearts hearts burn not, within not burn us. And that that, oh. that in fact it's it's actually it's a corrective for the heart at Ooh. the very because because it was like it's a slow heart it's a, the a cardia is cardia, yeah. is it doesn't isn't beating and now our hearts are Ooh. burning which is a whole other thing and I've, I actually never saw that parallel which is so absurd that I didn't see it that's pretty good yeah. So. Well
1: played for the Peter.
0: So their hearts are burning with but love. But once
1: their hearts burn, what they have to do is go back to the community and right. say, hey, we've seen the risen Lord. He opened our eyes and he, he vanished then out of this. I, I was kind of chuckling about this. So in the scene of the road to Emmaus, right, he's with these two disciples. He goes, he he breaks bread. He shares the Eucharist with them. Their eyes are open and it says he vanished out of their sight. And in response, they say we have to go back and tell everybody. So late at night, seven they miles. run back to Jerusalem, seven miles,
0: sixty stadia. It says in sixty
1: stadia, a lot of stadia.
0: Which is interesting because imagine, imagine going, having to walk sixty football fields,
1: or run them, as the case may be.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's That's no, a lot. there's no shortcut home. There's, <laughs> there's no, no easy way, easy way out, out. You know.
1: But okay, so they're there. Jesus appears. He vanishes out of their sight. They run back to tell everybody. And when they get there, they're telling everybody, and what happens? He appears again. He's and like, like "Wait, up, but man. you were there, and then you weren't there, but now you're here, and you're." Which I just, yeah. I was chuckling about it because like, <laughs> "But you disappeared, and now you're back here. How did you know we were gonna be here?" I don't know. It, it it's not that funny. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but it, it's there's something beautiful about the fact. And again, you could create spiritual analogies, and you don't want to over spiritualize it. But there is a beautiful image mm-hmm. of the fact that you have these two disciples saying, "I want to share with the people in my life." How the Lord has moved. Mm. And as they're sharing with their friends how the Lord has moved, Mm. what happens? The Lord Himself is there. Right. Which I think that's a very real thing. You know, when we share how the Lord has worked with us, the Lord will show up. in those ways. And it's, yeah, not to over-spiritualize it, but it's kind of beautiful. And hopefully our friends, when we tell them about the workings of the Lord, aren't startled and terrified (laughs) and think they're seeing a ghost, which is what the disciples do, which is ironic because these disciples are telling them all the things that have happened. They're like, Jesus, and then Jesus shows up. And instead of putting the pieces together with the story that they've literally just heard, they're like, it's a ghost. And you're like, come on, you guys, (laughs) they just explained this. But anyway, there's Jesus. He says, peace be with you. They think he's a ghost. They're terrified. And he's like, why are you freaking out? Why are you troubled? And why do these questions arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you can see I have. This is one of the things that's actually speaking back to the problem in the second reading. Because some of the people in the church of the second reading are doubting whether the Lord really was human. Is he just, you know, a divine figure who kind of looked like a human or just, you know, a human who maybe kind of got divinized? And Jesus is like, no, I'm God. I'm in your midst, but I have flesh and bones. Touch my hands. Touch my feet so I can prove this to you. And as as he tends to be in the resurrection, Jesus is always hungry. And he's like, you guys got anything dude, to eat? Dude, I'm always, I it always kills me. He's like, he's like, yo, he's, he's like, hey, peace be with you. You
0: guys got some food.
1: You got food? some food. You know I like, I feel like that's how I show up to the podcast every week. He's <laughs> be with you, Father Beater. You got anything to eat? I'm like, I got some nachos, and you're like, well, I can do I'm it. like, I can deal with nachos, dude.
0: I need, you know what I, we need? We need to have hobo breakfast again.
1: Oh, those were the days, dude.
0: Hobo breakfast is bratwurst and eggs,
1: or just as the case may be, cheesy hot dogs or cheesy hot <laughs> <and dogs>. eggs. <laughs> it's good though. but, okay, yeah, but so that's not what he has. He has fish. He has baked he fish, baked fish. Which this is my need thing. To, just, have you ever thought about what this scene looks like? <laughs> because I have this image in my mind that I can't recreate, but he's just there. They're freaking out. He's like, you got anything to eat? And they're like, well, here's a piece of baked fish. And I just imagine him sitting there just, like, staring at them, locking eyes, just, like, chomping on the fish. It's like, look at me. And just, it's an awkward scene to me. But he's just eating his fish. They're all, I mean, it, there's an awkwardness to a bunch of people standing around while you eat something. Yeah. He's I, just eating. And they're like... <laughs> You're eating a filet of fish. I, I have him like oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I
0: wonder what kind of his, his table manners were like.
1: I think he was holding it in his hands, just eating it like a corn on the cob. <laughs> That's how I picture it. He, yeah, I don't know. Anyway. I, just,
0: I just imagined for a second. I, I was like I was like, how do people eat fish? And I just remember the scene from Trading Places <laughs> where <laughs> Dan Eckrid has the fish and he's dressed up as Santa Claus oh, and he gosh. takes the fish oh. out and <laughs> He just starts eating it on the bus. <laughs> I just can't handle that. Yeah, maybe that's what that's he did. totally not how Jesus did it in the no, resurrection. That's not. But but that's just a funny. <laughs> it's just funny to me. So, but I but I, this is my this is my proof that that there's gonna be cooks in heaven because everybody's gonna be hungry all the time, man. I, everybody's gonna be hungry. Right, that, he is yeah. resurrected. I am flesh and
1: bone. Give me some food. But that's while he's here on earth. Dude, guess. All right, time. We're not gonna do. We're not gonna do this. We're not gonna <laughs> do this right now. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So he said to them, "These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. That yeah. everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled." He actually takes what he just said on the road to Emmaus, yeah. where Luke says all of the things spoken about him in the in the in the scriptures. Yeah. Um. He unpacks, and here Mark kind of or Luke kind of puts a fine point on it. He's like, "Oh, those things happen to be the prophets and the law of Moses, the Torah and the Psalms." All of it. Everything. And he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, just like he did to these two on the road. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his, dun, 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 El nombre. his name, which will also be put to shame. And you will be put to shame on that name. But that same name is the means through which repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached. And when you preach it, they might throw you in prison. And they might beat you up. And actually, they might even kill you. But that same name that they may kill you for is still the means through which repentance and forgiveness of sins would be preached to every nation. Beginning in Jerusalem. And then he says, as is his last point, And you are what? martyrs of these things, you are witnesses of mm. these things, which is this interesting little foreshadowing of exactly what he's saying. They have not not had the light of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost yet. Mm. So they're seeing all these things. They're taking them in, but the Holy Spirit has not activated the information. That, that's what happens at Pentecost. All of the stuff that the Lord said, all of these little bits and pieces that he's been giving them for three years for Pete's sake, will all kind of be brought to light on Pentecost, and they'll all say, oh, that's what that all meant. Mm. But for now, it's like Jesus eating the fish. They're literally just taking in the sus- the sustenance. They're taking in the words which have become flesh that now they're eating, which is very Eucharistic. But in a very real sense, they're taking in all of those words, just like Jesus ate the fish. But they're going to be digested soon. And then they'll well, I'm gonna I stop with the analogy. Well, but no, th-
0: this is this is the thing, is that's exactly why we use the um we use the, dis- uh, the, the the pericope of the disciples on the road to Emmaus as the paradigm for the Catholic Mass. Yeah. Right. Is that is that it's to digest to understand, to have the heartburn, go Eucharistic, and then be sent back out. That's yes. why it's like that's why the church is the bark of Peter. It's like we mm-hmm. we we climb on board, we get in, we get fed we and we go we're the we're the people in the in the um in the red sea walking with wall left and right and being set free from sin going towards the shore i mean like this is all right there and that's like oh it's so good and we feast upon the the understanding and that's really where we find ourselves now and that's why we want to repent why why we want to actually be able to embrace is to be able to open ourselves more profoundly to these mysteries
1: but that's the thing we don't necessarily feast on the understanding we feast on the word even before we have the understanding but that's the beauty. The, the disciples have the word within them. Right. So that, when the kind of moment comes of choice, what are you going to do? The rubber's hitting the road. Things are actually hard. Right. They say, well, we've already been fed. Mm. And now that food will actually give us the strength to do what, what we need to do. Mm. We didn't understand that when we were eating it. We didn't understand actually even what was going into us, but the Lord did. And he knew that he was going to activate it and give us the energy through it. Even which is this sort of beautiful concept of the Lord prepares us for our vocations even before we fully understand what those are. Yes. And I don't mean vocation in the sense of, you know, you're either a priest or you're married or lay person. You know, I don't mean that necessarily. I mean, all of the different various millions of things that he's going to call us to every single day. Yep, He's preparing us at all times. And what this also tells me, again, just to kind of, I guess, put a closing note. This reminds me that the more we frequent the sacraments, the more we receive the Eucharist, the more we literally feast on God's word, the more readily prepared we will be for when the unexpected shows up. Yes. And the world clings to us, wondering what we have that they don't have, or we're called upon to bear witness to Jesus Christ in our lives, or the, you know, the paralytic grabs hold of our side and the world wonders why that is. Mm-hmm. Or whatever that is in our lives. Right. The more we receive the Eucharist, the more we feast on his word, both written and made flesh, his the the bread of life, the more we do that, the more energy we're going to have in reserve and strength we're going to have ready for when God calls us to go into those hard moments or those graced moments or those beautiful moments or those moments of curiosity from our friends and family and be able to act rightly. The more we feast, the more we'll... Kick butt. Kick butt. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That's the poetry I was looking for. So, friends, we will – that's all I got.
0: Uh, We'll probably have a – I'm going on convocation next week, so you're going to have a repeat. Or I'll do
1: solo. or We'll do something. One uh, or the other.
0: Or Scott will get together with Matt Botker.
1: That could be. You never know. You never know. We'll surprise you. Supplies. Supplies. We uh, love you guys. Um, Send us an email. Send us your questions. Find us on Facebook. Uh, If you feel so moved to support our work at the Catholic Center, um, you can go to our website, thomascenter.org. We would love your prayer and your financial support. We have a lot of hungry students here at the University of Colorado and hungry people in the city of Boulder that we are trying to feed with the Word of God. Uh, And we need your help to do it. So thanks for those who have supported us in the past who give us your prayers, and uh, please prayerfully consider helping us in this mission. Absolutely. God bless you. See you next time. Bye. God bless you. Bye. Bye. The Word in the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. You can find us online at www.lankyguys.org. See you next week.